We've been in a series over the last two weeks uh, called Choices. How many of y'all know we've got choices to make? Uh, in, a, in a climate, in a culture, uh, a season of life that we're in right now, we are all being faced with choices. And I'm going to say this to you um, with love, and I'm going to say this to you with sincerity, and I'm going to say this to you with all bit of faith built up on the inside of me. It is amazing to me that we were moving forward and now I'm watching us move backwards because noise rather than faith. Now, before you understand where I'm going, before you think I'm, I'm going to try to make light of a situation, let me say this to you as your pastor. I know the pandemic is real. Amen. I've had the pandemic. I know it's real. But in all of my prayer time, in all of my time seeking the face of God, in all of my time, because let me help with something, I feel like I'm praying more this year than I have in the last five. In all of my prayer time, what I keep asking God is, where are the people who stand on faith and not allow fear to govern them? Okay, your kids go to school, my kids go to school. I'm going to tell you this, and this is going to freak some of y'all out. 42 kids came to Kids Night Out on, on Friday night. You go, Pastor, you're, that's a super spreader. No, that was a super faith event. Why? Because we spent time loving on these kids and spending time with these kids, and nobody went home sick, and none of our workers went home sick. How do you know? It hadn't been the days yet. Stop it. Stop with the foolishness. Why is it that we, as believers, cannot choose to declare the kingdom of God, the righteousness of God, the promises of God, the covering of God, the protection of God? We choose to declare everything else. We declare a pandemic. Come on, work with me for a second. Oh, God, what, what's going to happen? Oh, my God, what's going to happen? My Bible says that a plague, my, a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. So let me just say this to you as a sidebar. I'm not talking about masks. I'm not talking about social distancing. I'm talking about your mindset in this condition and in this moment. Choose today what you're going to do. Choose today what you're going to believe. Choose today whether this Bible is the foundation of your stance or it's just a paperweight to your complaints. That wasn't even in the notes. But at some point, we as a church... We as a body of believers will either choose God or we will choose pain. Promise or pain. Fear or faith. Faith without works is dead. Pastor, I have fear, but I'm afraid of the pandemic. Those two monsters cannot live in the same house. Pastor, you're being, open your Bible. Everything I'm telling you is in your word. You just haven't chosen to believe it yet. Pastor, but aren't you afraid? No, I'm not. I am not afraid because I know who governs my life. Does it mean that I'm not attentive to other people? Does it mean that I'm not loving to other people's desires? No. Are we still taking temperatures at the front door? Yes. Are we still making sure we're trying to keep everything as safe as possible in this building? Yes. But one thing you will not do is get me to waver from declaring the kingdom of God. And let me just take one more sidebar. So it's on social media. It's on recording. It's on video. So everybody knows if anybody tells me I have to close the doors, I promise promise you this one thing. Those two double doors standing out there will remain open and this house will continue to declare the kingdom of God and we will not waver. We will not slow down. We will not go backwards. I am not going back to find out if there's still Goliaths in the camp. I am marching forward and I'm telling the Goliaths and their families come again and watch what happens because the church won't go silent. It's all about a choice. You're going to have to choose. 
In this moment, you're going to have to choose. I said it two weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. If your life is wrong and your life is in sin, I'm telling you, the time is short for you to get it corrected because there's coming a season where either you're on that boat or you're not on that boat. You better get it right. It is time for us to stop playing excuse games. It's time for us to stop playing around with our sin and acting like it's not a big deal. It's time for you to be afraid of hell, not be comfortable with hell. It's time for us to make some decisions. It's time for us to make some choices because in life we are always faced with choices. But Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 says it this way. Choose you this day, today, whom you will So many people in the church today think Christianity is slavery. It's full of rules and regulations and boundaries. I don't want to be told what I can and can't do. I want to be told I can do whatever I want and God will just keep giving it to me. Let me break something down to all of you in this room. I don't care if you've been saved since you popped out the womb or you got saved yesterday. Let me help you with something. I don't care if you think angels walk around you and sing over you 24-7. Let me help you with something. There is nothing greater of a decision than you to choose life or death. And choosing life is not doing good works. Choosing life is declaring, decreeing, accepting, receiving the fullness, the purpose, the kingdom of God in everything that you do. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. I said this on the week one, I'll say it again. Slaves are left to live outside the house. Servants are given access to the house. Be careful. There is a problem in the church today where we think we don't have access. It's because we have signed up in a book of slavery rather than to the book of servanthood. And he says there, he says, choose today whom you're going to serve. Watch this. Are you going to serve social media? Well, they they say to do it this way, so I got to do it this way. I got to be just like them because, I mean, look at their pictures. They're so much better than I am. Look at their lives. They, they look like everything's put together. Everything's perfect. Listen, don't get fooled by my Thanksgiving picture that I posted. Don't, don't get fooled. We look cute in a park. And we look cute in the park with the couch and all the, the pumpkins and all the... Do you know all the garbage we had to go through to take that stupid picture? Do you know all the hell that broke loose trying to take that dumb thing? Do you know how many times I had to get on my children? Do you know how many times my face did not do this? It went like this. Then when the camera's like, you ready? Oh, look, they have a great family. Oh, praise the Lord. Our pastor's got wonderful children and a wonderful wife. Do you know that before that was like, if you don't get your behind over here, I'm going to break your legs. I'm going to take off your toes. I'm going to throw you up into a tree. I'm telling you, get your butt over here. Stop running around in your clothes. Stop messing up those clothes. Your mom's going to kill you. Don't touch your hair. You're like, oh, look at pastor's family. They look so cute. Man, I wish my family was like that. No, you don't. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. She's like, that's almost a sermon in itself. <laughs> the truth be at the end of the day is, is that we, 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 we we're governed by what, what, what noise you hear. Here's the problem. Let me, let me tell you something. God, I'm not even in my notes yet. This is going to be a fun day today. There is a problem. When our faith is governed by the noise, then it is the declaration of your mouth. What happened to the church that had volume? The church has lost its volume. Church doesn't even declare anything anymore. It just accepts whatever it is. And then asks God where he is in that. 
instead of saying, hey, God, you're bigger than that. Hey, God, I know they say, I, I, know, that, I know that the president-elect has stated that, that it's going to be a cold, dark winter. Well, he obviously ain't been to Louisiana yet. It might be wet, and it might get cold flashes, but it ain't cold and dark. It's going to be a cold, dark winter. It's going to be. And everybody goes and hides. Ah! Somebody said it's going to be bad. But never consulted what God already spoke. Never took a second to say, God, I know what he says. But I need to find what you said thousands of years before this moment. Because you spoke, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the beginning to the end. You never change. So God, instead of listening to that, let my mouth become a mouthpiece that declares what your word says. Because it is your word. It was the only thing that had the power to speak life into nothing. To cause atmospheres and planets and people and animals to come into form. To cause the sun to shine and the moon to come out at night. It, he's the only thing. And so if that word is in this book, then let me declare this. Because if I can declare this, then I can speak to a pandemic. I can speak to fear. I can speak to doubt. I can speak. But see, we don't want to do that anymore because we've made choices to be the silent majority rather than the loud majority. And you wonder why the voice of the church has been quieted. You wonder why there is an issue where they're trying to shut down churches, but they won't shut down bars. You can go buy your liquor, but you can't praise God. Oh, don't look at me so sanctimoniously like you ain't thought about it. Oh, no, but pastor, you know, that's not the same. Are you crazy? We're making choices. I'm going to say this to you. This is not the time to sit at home. And I must say this to you, those watching online, and this might not make me popular. This might not make you never come back. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But let me say this to all those you watching online. You sitting at home is called devastating isolation. Because you are not connected. You are disconnected. And you're not Growing to where I look, I talked to people during the pandemic. We got real comfortable with the with the with the robes and the coffee cups, and it's nice not have to get up and get dressed and deal with all my children and go to church. But but you still miss the connection of the family. You still miss the growth of being together. You still miss what happens when someone looks across the room and says, "I missed you. I love you. I've been praying for you. I'm standing with you." Hey, I'm I'm so excited. Okay, sidebar for just a second. See, this is this is the kind of moments I don't want to miss, like the fact that Tanil got engaged over the weekend. See, see, I, I don't want to celebrate that junk over Facebook. I don't want to celebrate. Hey, Tanil, I'm glad you're watching online. I'm so glad for you and Emmett. Praise the Lord for you. I'm, I want to look at her in the face and go, yes! I want to be excited. I want to celebrate good moments. But, but we, we, we've, been, we've been told to, to separate, to stop it. Would you tell your children to do the same thing? Don't have friends? Be by yourself? Just live in a corner? Don't? No, you wouldn't. So why are we doing it? Because we've made a choice, and the church is going silent. I told my wife the other day, I said, let them come try to arrest me for opening the doors of church. That would be a fun day. I'd be like, round five, let's go do it again. <laughs> Listen, people today are crying out, heal our land while we're living in sin. God, heal our land. But you haven't decided to let me heal your land. 
this statement is so screaming in my chest, and I feel like the closer we get to this next year, it is like the, the ground is rumbling. And see, here's the thing. There's a danger for those of us that are believers in this room that get to a point that think the earth won't shake anymore. I'm going to tell you this, and you can mark my words, and I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but I'm going to tell you what I feel in my spirit every day that I'm, I'm, I'm praying and I'm seeking God. The earth is doing this. He's shaking the tree. Those who have strength will stay. Those who don't will fall. Those will crumble. You go, why would God do that? Because he's got a mission. He's got a plan. Do you think this happened without God knowing about it? Do you think all of this has been taking place without God going, I didn't know this was coming? Man, how'd that happen? Man, I'm surprised. I don't know about you, angels, but that, that's crazy. I don't know where that came from. God moves, rides on the wings of what you and I think are calamity. What you think is a struggle is an open heaven for him. What you think is a problem is his biggest moment to shine. See, the problem is we're too busy focused on the problem. We're not even looking to see where he's at in the middle of it. And so then we lose our voice and we lose our declaration. We start making choices to do everything else. These choices that I'm referring to are the very thing that caused you to get up this morning. They're the very thing that caused you to believe that God was going to speak to you this morning. And I pray and hope that you didn't just come to church to fill a seat so you could hopefully make it to heaven. I pray that you got up this morning, got dressed, went through whatever you went through to get here this morning so that you could hear a word because you believe that God wanted to talk to you today, that God wanted to download something into you today, that God wanted to prepare you for your week because he had a mission and a purpose for you this week. I hope and pray that you're not playing the church game because the church game makes me frustrated. The church game ticks me off. The church game makes me want to grab people and throw them around. Well, I'm just going to check in and check out. Look, God, I did it on Facebook. Look, I told everybody I was at church. God, can I get into heaven? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. Because you telling everybody else you went to church never told the world that you believed who I am and who I'll always will be. Choices. The very thing that will change the outcome of this message today. But instead of making choices that only benefit our own wants and desires, it's time for you and I to make choices that we can, so that we can see a greater outpouring of his spirit, a greater flow of his anointing, and walk in the fullness of who he is. Can I just tell you this? Have you ever gone to a church that's dry and ugly? Come on, amen. That's why you're here. Amen. Because you've been to a dry and ugly church. Amen. Dry and barren wastelands. Amen. You walk in there like, wow. I'm try, trying to get the joy to my faith. We've been to those churches before. We've been to those moments where the, the power of God isn't moving. We're, we're moving where we, we've been to the churches where the prophetic has lost its voice. And I didn't say prophets. I said the prophetic. Be careful. Because everybody wants to be a prophet today. Ooh, God, I got to be careful because I got so many sidebars in that one right there. I'm trying to walk. I'm trying to step sidestep that thing real quick. I think there's more prophets in the earth today than there were in the Bible. Because everybody wants to say something, but nobody wants to do anything. Let me say this to you. Be careful how much you say and you don't do. Because what you speak out of your mouth, God will hold you accountable to do. And when you don't do it, there have been very few times I've ever stood at this pulpit and said, thus saith the Lord. Do you want to know why? I don't want that responsibility. Because I know what comes with it. But you got a lot of people, people saying, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And God's like, I'm not even messing with that. 
Why are you even putting me in that? Oh, I'm going to get off that one. I've just stopped. i got to stop. Where I'm ahead, i got to stop. So many times we are sitting in places and making decisions based on culture, and we call it kingdom. Jesus didn't come to change culture. He came to create culture. So many things, so many times we think that Jesus came to change the culture. He didn't come to change the culture. He knew what the culture was. That's why this declaration is so strong of choose you this day whom you'll serve, because you have the right to choose culture. Or you have the right to choose kingdom. But you're going to have to make a decision which one you're going to choose. You're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to keep playing this quasi-believer game? No, let me just call that. Let me call that Christianity and call believers ones who are committed. Christianity is one that you can dibble-dabble out of. You can go in and out of. Like, like jump the fence, come back in. Jump the fence, come back in. Believers are ones who are committed to the fullness of the word of God and are unwavering in their faith. Because when you believe in something, you talk about it. You display it. You communicate it not just with your words, but by your actions. When you're walking in the place of Christianity, for those of you that don't know this, Christian is a derogatory term to you and I who are followers of Christ. That word was not created by God or by Jesus. That is a word that was put in there by the government of that time to call us out as people who were, red- were crazy in our minds. Y'all think segregation and separation was something new in the civil rights movement? No, baby. You think it happened before slavery. These names had already come out. So I don't define myself as a Christian. I define myself as a believer, one who adheres to the fullness of the word and will not waver no matter what faces me in front of me. It's a choice. It's time to make choices so we can see a greater outpouring of his spirit. It's time for you and I to stop making choices that just affect the moment and start making choices that affect eternity. So week one, we dealt with this. And I'm going to really try to get through all this this morning. Let's pray. Woo! Because it's going to be a lot. First week, we dealt with Luke chapter 9, verse 57 and 58, where it says, As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. And before you go, what the heck did he mean? Let me break it down for you because the message version says it this way. Jesus was curt. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best of ends, you know. I don't know what it is that we think as believers that we think that once we receive God, everything gets better. Watch this, watch this. I just got a, a, a used car, but it's a new car, right? Now, when I had my old car, I didn't wash it all the time. I didn't clean it all the time. I didn't make sure it was vacuumed all the time. I didn't care how it looked all the time. Got the new car, and it's become not a labor of love. It's becoming labor because I want it to stay pristine. But y'all know what happens over time. You're kind of like, eh, whatever. I'll get to it eventually. I'll, I'll get, I got it. I'm like, man, I'm, I've got, I got this little pouch in the back of my, tr- my, back of my Jeep that, that, that's got all my cleanest stuff in it so I can just wipe the thing down. And I'm looking at the car this morning. I'm like, ew, I ain't dealing with it right now. You know, it, it, it's, it, 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 we sometimes think that because when, when blessings come or when we think we step into the fullness of God or we walk in the church and we give our lives to Christ and we come to the altar, we think that, oh, everything's better now. No. Do you understand that what, heaven, what the hell was trying to do to get you before is now going to increase its responsibility to try to drag you out of the decision you just made? So if you think coming to the altar and saying, God, I give you my life, that hell is rejoicing over that, you're wrong. They are going, turn up the notch turn up the volume we've got to get them because if they really get it hell is in trouble if they really really get it we are going to be in some deep stuff so go get them and we go and people go i don't understand i gave my heart to god and it got worse no what you should have done was just kind of rested in god 
See, here's what happens. We go to God, we give him our lives, we make that decision, and then the fight comes, the struggle comes, the rough comes, and then we have a tendency to lean into ourselves rather than lean back into the rest of God. We have a tendency to lean into our old ways of thinking. <laughs> There's a song that my, my daughter and I listen to her once in a while. Uh, it, it says, uh, try Jesus, but don't try me. Because I'll throw hands. And we laugh about it because that's the common statement of the church. That's the common statement of most believers today in the church. You can try Jesus, but don't try me because if you come against me, I'm going to fight you out of my own ability rather than trusting that the battle belongs to the Lord. See, this is, this is that crazy space of choosing things, even in the roughest of moments, is that you got to know that he was the same God that saw you before you chose him in the roughest of your moments. Why do you think that today when you've chosen him and it gets rough that he's not going to keep walking with you in these rough moments? Well, because now I can make those. No, you're still going to have to rest in him. He says, listen, I need you to understand this is not going to be easy. Listen, choices that change things will always make you uncomfortable. Be careful you're not making comfortable choices. Choices that make you feel good about you rather than make God feel good about himself. Oh, that bring glory to his name. Choices that bring him praise, not you praise. <sighs> okay, sidebar. Then last week we dealt with Luke chapter 9, verse 59 through 60, where he said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Here comes that message version again. He said, certainly, but first excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. Jesus refused. He said, first things first. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. Choices that change things will allow the dead things to die and allow life to become your declaration. So whenever I finish a message, I don't know why God does this to me, but I'll walk out of a service, I'll go sit down back in my office, and things will start to hit me and connect with me about things that I said during service, and I'll write some certain things down. And so between Sunday and Monday, I was kind of going over last week's message, and this one statement jumped out at me that I kind of went past real fast, but it hit me even harder. And that was this statement in verse 59 where he said to another person, come follow me. So I sat with the staff on Tuesday night, and I said, I said, what does it mean to be a follower, and how do you follow? Now, of course, when the pastor asks the staff, how do you follow, everybody goes, oh, God, there's a wrong answer. <laughs> pastor knows the answers, and he's going to, hey, I'm going to answer wrong. And so, and so the, the, the face, the, the quiet hit the room, and everybody's like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then, and then they would answer certain things, and, and, and I would say certain things that could have put a little bit of a hole. I'll, I'll use one. I know Pastor Dylan doesn't mind me saying it. Pastor Dylan said, I think some of the ways that I show that I follow Christ is by loving my family, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Your family is your first ministry. If you can't love your family, you can't love your family. Amen? If I can't love her, I can't love you. Because if this love is broken, then our love will be broken. Trust me when I tell you. If I can't love my children, then I cannot love you. I, God gave, me as my, gave them to me as my first ministry. But I told him, I said, but there's a caution because we have a tendency to only love what we deem lovable. And we call it following. <laughs> following doesn't mean that you love what's easy. Following means that you love even what's hard. You love those things that seem unlovable, the ones that talk about you, the ones that come against you, the ones that curse you, the ones that try to hurt you. You continue to love them because that's the same thing that God did when you were hurting him. Because when you were in sin, you were causing him pain. When you were in sin, you were putting him back on the cross. When you were in sin, you were telling him that his life was in vain. 
and yet he kept loving you. And God says that now that I dwell in you, it is now your time to make a decision whether you choose to love those, not just the ones that are lovable, but the ones that are unlovable. To take the things that the world has rejected and bring them home. I don't know if you realize this, but you're not a prodigal son. You're the brother of a prodigal son. And the responsibility of the brother of the prodigal son was to go get the brother and bring him home. He said to another person, come follow me. What does your following look like? Well, I come to church. That's not following. That's attendance. Well, you mean coming to church is not following God? No, it's not. Following God is when you decide to let the world see where you're going not trying to masquerade where you've been. Hmm. Ah, or, or look how great I am. Look what I did 10 years ago. In fact, of where I'm headed tomorrow. Following says, look, I'm not the one leading this thing. He is. What are you looking at? I'm watching the one who I'm following. And wherever he goes, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll lead. But watch this. It's all about deciding whether you accept the movement of him rather than the movement of yourself. It goes on in that same verse. It says, the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. And, and we talked about that we have a tendency to be more committed to the things we cannot change than the things that God wants to change in us. That we're committed to the things that are dying more than what is living. But maybe it's because we're spending too much time reminiscing about what could have been rather than looking to who and to what is coming into our lives. We're spending so much time caught up in thought processes. Watch this. How many of you have allowed the season that we're in to disrupt your praise? When it's good, your worship is good. When it's good, your declaration is good. But when the news pops on and says we're going into a cold, dark winter, oh, God, oh, God, everybody hide. What are we going to do? Are they going to close schools down? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? God's going to give you peace. He's going to give you joy. He's going to give you abundance. He's going to fill your home with laughter. He's going to be the guide and the king of your house and of your family. He's going to govern. He's going to let angels guard your children. See, see, this is the things we're not talking about anymore. We're just running and hiding, and God's going... Where are my kids running to? I gave them a mandate. I gave them a purpose. And they're running in fear. And God is not the author of fear. For you do not have the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Oh, God, what are we going to do? You're going to shut up. <laughs> Lift up your hands. And worship and say, God, if you were good enough to save me then, you are good enough to save me now. I'm going to trust you. That does not mean that you are rude to other people that are walking through this season. But it means that our declaration of faith becomes the thing that leads us. Jesus told him, he goes on in verse 6, he says, but let the dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go on and preach about the kingdom of God. And I love what the message said. It said, first things first, your business is life, not death. Stop. Your business is life, not death. Life, not death. Life, not death. I wish we would talk more about life than we do about death. 
Life. Watch this. Here you go. Here it comes. Here it comes. You didn't see this one coming because death is life. What are you talking about? To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Did I die? Nope. You might think I died, but I'm alive. To be absent from this mortal thing is to be present into the heavens with God himself. Am I dead? No. I'm dead to you, but I'm not dead to him. But we want to be caught up in this thing because we want to be rooted in this thing. We want to be rooted in this earth rather than rooted in the things of God. <laughs> I'm bound to this thing. This life, I don't want to die. Then you don't want to live. Because until you can accept death, you cannot accept life. Jesus didn't come in and say, listen, if you accept me, you're, you're never going to die here on earth. He said, this mortal body will pass away. You're, this is going to, it's going to go. Could you imagine if we spent as much time trying to keep up our spiritual life as we do as our physical being, how far we would be in the kingdom of God? Could you imagine if our walk with God was as strong as us running to the gym and running on the treadmill for 30 minutes? We can't even spend five times in prayer, five minutes in prayer. And we wonder why we're falling apart. Because we've chosen to edify the natural rather than build the spiritual. And we wonder why we struggle when the news says it's going to be a cold, dark winter. Because I'm trying to keep my mortal body whole rather than walking in the things of the spirit. If you're a believer and you're in this room, you believe in this Bible from cover to cover and every story that's on the inside of it. Right? So do you want me to throw some at you? Did God save Jonah? Did he kill Jonah? Okay. Did God save David? Or did he allow Goliath to kill David? We love the story when it feeds you. But what about just resting in the fact that if he did it for David, he'll do it for you? What about just resting in the fact that knowing that that plagues are nothing new to God, but he protected the people of Israel through the plague because he had a promise on their lives. God's got a promise on your life, and you see a plague, and you're running because locusts are showing up and disease is hitting the land. Instead of saying, hey, God, you're obviously in this, but I'm going to worship you through the process. See, we're making choices. We're making choices to hide, and that's what the enemy wants. If I throw it at them hard enough, maybe they'll die. Can I just say this? This is hitting me while I'm talking about this. We are in a children of Israel moment. It's a redo The plague has finally hit the land, and you've been saying for however long you've been alive, God, I got faith. I got faith. I got faith. God, I'll declare your word. I'll declare your kingdom. And it's come. And you're going, oh, God, what are we going to do? And God's going, I told you I'd give you a chance. Did you think I was going to let you run up into church, lift up your hands, and shout with all your voice, God, I'm going to do this thing, and not make you responsible for what comes out of your mouth? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We are walking into a season of accountability in the church. And if we do not stand up, we are going to die in the process. Everybody wants to run around. What are we going to do? Where's God? He was in you. Don't know where he went now. Because you used to roar. Now you were whining like a weenie kitten. You used to be like, ah! Now you're like, meh. You are not my prayer warrior, Jack. No. We've got to get to a point. And you go, Pastor, is it that serious? I don't know. You put your hand to the earth and see if you feel it shaking. You decide how much longer you're going to sit in this thing. But my eyes are not focused on the heavens because I'm waiting for his return. My, my eyes are focused on his direction and what he wants me to do while I stand here. Because when I'm done here, I'm going to walk in and go, God's going to go, you did so good, boy. Walk in. 
All those things that you read about, go see them. It's really true. Choices. Let the spiritually dead bury their own. Life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. What is your mouth announcing right now? What are you declaring right now? What's coming out of you? Not declarations of death, but declarations of life. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I'm not saying don't social distance. What I am saying is stop communicating your fears and then asking God where your faith went. Because if this mouth brings out fear, where, how does your faith fit in there too? That's called a double-minded man, and a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. There's an instability. It is all or nothing. Choose you this day whom you will serve. All right, now we get to this week's message. It's real easy. Ready? Luke chapter 9, verse 61. Troy, you do me a favor? Will you pull that stuff out here for me? Luke chapter 9, verse 61. If you got it, say, I got it. Got it, got it. Say, you're waiting on the screen. Say, I'm waiting on the screens. Amen. Amen. Bring your Bibles next week. Amen. <laughs> oh, oh, God, why are you going to do this to me this morning? Carrying your Bible is a choice, just so you know. It's always bad to have young people over here that always encourage me to go off. But let me say this to you. If you don't carry your textbook, when you get into the class of life, you might not have the answers that you need to pass the test. You might want to carry the book because your brain isn't big enough to hold all this knowledge and all this wisdom and all this power and all this authority. Be careful that you're not caught in the middle of a test without your books. Luke chapter 9, verse 61. Now we'll get into today's message. Praise the Lord. He said, another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Did you read what I just read? And I hate to break this to you, but this is not Old Testament, Jack. This is New Testament. Where is the God of grace? He's right there. He says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. The message version says it this way. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, master, but first excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. Jesus said, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Choices that changes things. Can't be influenced by where you've been, but where you are going. Look at verse 61 for me for just a moment. It says, another said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. Now, I read this in two different translations, and so two different things leaped off at me, and I'm going to break both of them down for you. But I looked at this when he says, but first let me say goodbye to my family. Watch this. If you have to go say goodbye to your family, one of two things are happening. You don't have people around you that believe in where you're going. Or you're trying to convince them that you're making the right decision. Which means it's not your choice, it's theirs. Which means you're weighing your decisions that God's calling you to do based on other people's opinions. You're basing the next move on what somebody thinks you ought to do with your life rather than what God's telling you to do with your life. I've made decisions in my life based on popular decisions. Then I've made decisions in my life based on unpopular decisions. Let me help you with this. I know this is crazy, but the unpopular decisions were so much better than the popular decisions. Popular decision put me in prison. Unpopular decision kept me out. 
because the popular decision kept me connected to people that were killing me. <laughs> they were killing me. They were, they, look, th- those were the ones that when I went to jail, they laughed and thought it was funny. The unpopular one caused me to walk away from those people because those people has, had no intentions of me succeeding or even finishing the race. In fact, they wanted me to fail at the race because they were already failing at theirs. If I have to go back and tell you goodbye, then you were never in this walk with me in the first place. Because if you were, even if I was 20 feet in front of you, you'd be like, go, go get them. Run me, hold on, hold on, Jesus, hold on. I know you're calling me to great things, but let me run back and say, I love you. I hope you like me still. I hope, I hope we can still be friends. I know this isn't a popular decision, but, but you, know, you know, you'll always be in my heart. I love you. God, Jesus, hold on. I know you want me to come, but hold on. Yeah, see, there's a problem in us. We spend too much time telling Jesus to hold on. Can you just give me one more day? Uh Uh-uh, this is the day. Can you just give me one more minute? I'm standing right here. Why do you want to push me off any further? I've come that you might have life more more abundantly, but you keep choosing these things that are behind you. You're You're trying to impress the people that are behind you. They're behind you for a purpose. Oh, here it comes. People are, people, the people that are behind you are behind you for a purpose because you obviously made a choice at some point to start marching forward. Stop letting the noise of the people behind you start dragging you backwards back into the things you used to be. Let, them, let, let the naysayers be the ones that catapult you to run harder. I love when people tell me, I don't like Pastor Brian. Praise the Lord. I don't like his preaching. I don't like his church. High five. I'm going to another church. Bigger high five. (laughs) Pastor, how can you be that easy about it? Because here's the truth of it. Not everyone was meant to stay with me. We spend more time trying to keep everybody in our circle, and sometimes God's trying to get them out of our circle. God's like, can I have them now, please? But God, if you take them out, I'm never going to be okay. (laughs) God, what am I going to do? Shut up, please. Because if he can get them out of your circle, he can get the right people in. And here's the crazy part. However many people you got in your circle, God's circle that he has for you is probably a little bit less than what you think you have. I've learned that over time. I used to have big circles. I have really small circles now. It's kind of nice, though, because I don't have to impress anybody. That day, that thing's been broken out of me because you tried to keep up with the Joneses. Like, I remember one time I went to a, a meeting with pastors, and I left the house one day. And y'all know me. This, this is Sunday attire. I like a pair of gym shorts, a T-shirt, and a ball cap. That's Brian. So I went to the meeting gym shorts, t-shirt, ball cap. My wife looks at me. She says, baby, you going to the meeting like that? I said, yep. This was my statement. If they can't accept this, they can't accept this. This is who I am. This does not disguise the God on the inside of me. So I'm good. I don't have to be dressed up to be godly. Praise God. I'm going to go demonstrate them regardless. And I went to that meeting in a ball cap, a t-shirt, and a pair of shorts. Trust me, not one other person in that room was wearing what I was wearing. I didn't care. Wanna know why? Because I knew what was in me, not what was on me. See what I'm saying? It's a it's a choice. And so so he says he says, uh, let me go back. Let me go back and say goodbye to my. Can y'all please stop trying to reach one hand forward and reach one hand backwards? You're playing tug of war with eternity and your past, with your promise and your pain. Which one's gonna pull on me today? Are you tired of being in a tug of war life, going back and forth, back and forth, trying to figure out what you're gonna do? As opposed to just grabbing a hold of what's in front of you and knowing that God's got you through it. He's got you. Trust it. Have faith in it. Don't wake up and go, I don't know. I was talking to a guy just the other day who decided during the pandemic 
A guy goes to a local church. We got talking at, 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 at uh, the mechanic shop the other day, and and he was telling me how during the pandemic, he made a decision to start his own company. Now, most people in the room would go, that's the stupidest time to start your own business. Like, come on, everything is falling apart. Here was the crazy part. God had been preparing him to launch the business. He launched an IT business literally weeks before the pandemic hit. For those of you who don't know what IT is, IT is internet, all that stuff. Who knew that we were going to step into a season in our country where you needed the internet like you need it today? He told me, he said, Pastor, business blew up. He said, everybody went this way, I went this way. See, here's the thing. He could have chosen to stay at his job because it wasn't a popular decision to go step out. But he said, but one night I was asleep and God gave me a download in my spirit. And when I woke up the next morning, I walked into the job I had had and I walked in and I said, I'm not quitting in two weeks, I'm quitting today. He walked out of the business, took two weeks of vacation because he had two weeks of vacation, started his business and has never looked back since. Listen to what I'm saying to you. When you make the right choices, it's not going to be popular to your flesh, but it will be popular to the promises of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say, stop going backwards. Stop going backwards. But he says in the message, it says, then another said, I'm ready to follow you, master. But first, excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. Maybe that's the problem. You're trying to get things straightened out at home, but you're not letting God get things straightened out at home. The choice in this part of Scripture responds to a fear of moving forward. We have a tendency to not be able to separate from what we have always known and embrace what God is calling us to. We must stop making what is comfortable the fulfillment of the promise of his purpose in our lives. Why is it that when we get to a good moment, right, where things are kind of calm and they're chill and everything's working out the way we want it to work, all of a sudden we go, this is the promise of God. Have you read about what heaven looks like? Have you seen that here yet? then don't stop. Keep going. It hasn't come to pass yet. Stop settling just because it calms down. Stop settling because the waves aren't crashing. You should celebrate when the waves crash. You should celebrate when water's getting in your boat. You want to know why? Because that means Jesus is somewhere in the water about to speak to your waters and call them to be still. There's a miracle about to happen in your midst. So many times where I don't want the boat to rock. I don't want there to be problems. I don't want there to be struggle. Man, I get excited when there's struggle. You want to know why? Because I know we're right on the verge. So when people ask me, what do you think about the political stuff? And what do you think about the, the pandemic? And what do you think? Oh, it's coming. And everybody looks at me like, you're stupid. You've lost your mind. You are dumb. Mm-mm. I choose to find God in it. Stop walking through your wilderness wondering if God's leading. He said he'd lead you through the wilderness and into the mountaintop. Be careful that you only don't look for him at the mountaintop. We must stop making what is comfortable the fulfillment of his purpose in our lives. Stop trying to straighten things out and let God lead you on the straight and narrow. Stop trying to repair the things you've left behind and move forward. If you're not moving forward, then you're moving backwards. Why is it? Well, if I can just go back and fix this, if I can just go back and tend to it, if I can just go back and make it right. You can't. That's why you left it. Well, I'm better now. Okay. Why is it that we think that once we get saved and we get a little bit of God on the inside of us, we've now been empowered to go back and dabble in the crap that he delivered us from? And I did say crap in church. I remember when I used to say crap, my mom used to get mad at me. Now I'm an adult. Amen. I could have used other words, but you'd have, you'd have labeled me and called me out for it. You got to edit so bad today. Truth be told is, is that we have a tendency to keep going back and trying to dabble in the things because we think we're empowered enough to go back. He empowers you to go forward, not empowers you to go backwards. 
Why is it we keep going backwards and saying, well, I'm, I'm strong enough now in my faith to handle this. You weren't strong enough in your sin to handle it. Why would you be strong enough in your faith to handle it? Come on. And you would go back and we go, I can, I can deal with this. I can, I can tend to this. I can tend to No, you can't. And if you think you can, you're going to die in it again. And you're going to be yelling again, God, I'm drowning. And you're going to be back at an altar again. What would happen if we actually went to the altar one time rather than 50? What would happen if we actually did it right the first time, not the 50th time? I understand his grace and mercy, and I'm so grateful for that because, trust me, I've needed the 50 times. But I've always been perplexed with this thought. What is in me that says the first time wasn't enough? What is broken on the inside of Brian that when I saw him face to face the first time, when I received his promise the first time, maybe that's the problem. I didn't receive his promise. I just wanted his blessings. Choices. You knew you had to change, but you chose not to. You knew what God permitted, but you chose not to. You knew what God was telling you to do with your life, but you chose not to. You knew what you were doing was wrong, but you chose not to. And then you wonder why there's consequences. I'm going to break this down to you. Just because God lives in you doesn't mean consequences don't exist. There's a consequence for everything. Stop trying to go backwards and tend to what's behind you. March forward in what he's calling you to do. March forward in the purpose. Make a choice. My God. Verse 62. Here it comes. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Here's the struggle in believers and in the church today. We spend more time tending to us than plowing the field for the harvest. As I was looking at this, and I wish I would have had a plow because that would have driven the point home a lot harder. But, but I, I pulled some, some lawn equipment here because I need to kind of demonstrate where we are in phases of our walk. Because some of us, we won't touch a plow, but we'll touch a broom. And that's because we spend every day sweeping up the dirty things and the broken things of our lives. Because we haven't been delivered from the broken stuff yet. We just spend our lives sweeping up the broken stuff. And unfortunately, instead of putting it in a dustpan and discarding it, we pull back the rug, sweep it under to discard it, to move it so no one sees it, put the rug back over it, and then we wonder why we keep stumbling. We spend more time trying to remove or to move around stuff just to displace it to another place rather than letting God come in and deliver us out of it. Maybe God says, I didn't call you to sweep it up. I called you to leave the dirty floor. Or maybe we need to stop sweeping, stop sweeping up the broken places of our lives and let God mold us and make us all over again. We got our shattered dreams on the floor. We got our shattered problems. We got our shattered marriages, our shattered children. And we're going, God, if I could just, if I could just sweep up the places and sweep this stuff up and, I, and then, I'll, and then I'll, I'll have all the pieces together. The problem is, is that you didn't know what the problem was before it broke because there was a deficiency in whatever broke that made it shatter. God doesn't go back and fix the hairline crack. He says, let me remake it. Let me remote, let me do something better. There was a problem in that. Don't try to, oh, here, God, I'm presenting to you all of my parts. The problem is, is that most of us keep one in the pocket because we need something to compare our lives to so that when something doesn't work, we go back and go, this is why I'm broken. And you wonder why we're not whole. Because we're still holding on to pieces. And, and we got broom believers. We got, we got people who just want to sweep up their own stuff. Here's the problem of it. God didn't call you to you. He called you to the world. Oh, he didn't call you to keep going home and tending to your own junk. He called you to go tend to those who are lost and see what you what you might not realize is that when you help lost people find him, you might find you. Maybe if we just put the broom down, 
maybe we'd get somewhere in life. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of y'all, y'all argue with me about this. I don't like hard floors. Let me tell you why I don't like hard floors. Because I don't like wearing socks all the time. And when you have hard floors and you walk across your floor, I don't care how many times you sweep it. I don't care how many times you vacuum it. Your feet still get dirty. I don't care how many times you mop it. And I got four kids, so you know. Amen. It drives me nuts. I like carpet. It's like, oh, my God, no, carpet's so disgusting. It's so gross. All the dirt gets in the carpet. I said, but judge can't see it. <laughs> and there's little fibers that stick up on the carpet. You go, whoop, and your feet are clean again. Praise the Lord. Hey. That's why we put carpets outside the doors. You can wipe your feet off. Hello. Okay, that's me. The truth be told is, is that we have a tendency, though, to have hard floors and then complain about the dirt on our feet and never do anything to change it. And we just keep complaining about it. We're stuck and we're stuck and we're stuck. We're stuck and we're stuck. Oh, oh, my marriage is horrible, but you won't love your spouse. My children are wayward. They've, they've walked away from the things of God, but yet you don't even pray about them. You just complain about them. You don't love and lead them. You just look at them and point at them. And you wonder why they don't come home. Okay. So we got people who are broom sweepers. They sweep up the dirt and sweep up the broken things, but don't do anything else. Or, or you get people that are... <laughs> there are people in the church that like to use their blower. <laughs> Keep you away. Keep all of you away. Go away. I don't want anybody close to me. I like living isolated. Go away. Go away. That's what we do. We keep everybody at bay. We make choices. We tell God, God, I just wish I had friends. Well, we have this thing on high. God, why won't they come? Because you just keep blowing them back away. It's all about choices. And he says, listen, he says, at some point, you got to put the blower down and understand that I've caused people to come to you. Why did we do a whole series called Better Together? Because I needed you to understand that the people next to you and the people around you were here for a purpose. They're not here to make the room full. They're here because God's placed them in your atmosphere so that they could be a part of your existence, so they could bring strength to your life and you could bring strength to theirs. And together, we might change the world for the kingdom of God. And that's what the problem is. We got sweepers who like to sit in their houses and complain about dirty things. And we got people who walk around with blowers keeping everybody at bay because they think that everybody's out to hurt them. See, that's the problem. You're stuck in what everybody did to you, not what people want to bring to you in this season. Hmm. Hmm. I get this one. I really do. I do. I, I, I really get this one because I've been hurt in so many ways, whether it's fathers or pastors or whatever. And it was very easy for me to keep everybody. God, you don't love me. Nobody cares about me. God's going, are you stupid? You're fighting me from bringing people into your life. Then all of a sudden, I put the blower down because I got tired of holding this thing. You ever held a blower for a long time? Your hands start to get tired, especially if it's a trigger one. Your fingers get tired. You're like, God, this thing is heavy. Tired of things blowing this way because it's pushing air and and you're, you're, you're now you're complaining now your arm's tired you're worn out and you God I don't understand <sighs> put the blower down stop pushing everybody away make a choice you either live in your pain and keep everybody away or you choose to let God heal your past and your pain with people and let him bring those who are now in this season of life okay let me help you with something here's a good one for you ready even the ones that hurt you are good for this season That was a good one. You're like, Pastor, no, that's not God. Mm -mm. You think God only gives you good people? He will also allow bad people into your existence to strengthen you. 
But you're going to have to choose God in the process. Stop choosing to be hurt by them. I, I, I say this, and I think I've said it here a couple of times, but people get offended every time I say it because it's truth. I, I, I used to get really hurt by people. I used to let what people think hurt me. I used to let what people said about me hurt me. I used to, used to drive me. Then I developed this thing called everybody's stupid. Now, now, before you judge me, before you think I've lost my holiness or my spirituality, let me explain. It is a lot easier for stupid people to come out of stupidity than it is for me to trust everybody and let them be stupid to me. So here's what it is. Everybody fits the category stupid. So yes, everyone in you in this room at some point have been in the category stupid. And you walked out with grace and elegance because you showed me we're here. We're good. You demonstrated. The problem is, is that we think that everybody's perfect and we are appalled when they're human. And we're broken when they're human. I learned this a long time ago. My dad physically abused us, verbally abused us for 16 years of my life. Okay, watch. And I used to blame him. And then one day God told me, he said, stop blaming him. Understand that no one ever taught him how. May you talk about freedom? Because I was carrying pain with a person who I wanted to put on a pedestal to be my dad rather than understanding that there were broken things in his life and I needed to pray for him. And I needed to let God have him and trust that God would be God, not Brian be Brian. At some point, you and I have to decide how much we're going to let people hurt us. This was a conversation I had with my son just the other day. I said, how much authority are you going to give people? He was talking about a kid at school that was picking on him while they were playing basketball. And because he'd make a bad shot. You know how kids are kids. Oh, you, you, you suck. And I'm like, son, son, people who talk that much suck themselves. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. The ones who talk the trash the loudest are the ones that are trying to cover up their fallacies. Let them talk. And when they talk, just discard the noise because that's all it is. It's just noise. And I looked at him. I said, son, how much authority will you allow that little boy to have in your heart? He is trying to take things from you. I said, I'm going to go to your room today. I'm going to grab your laptop and I'm going to snap it in half. Is that okay? He goes, no. I said, why? He goes, because that's my laptop. I said, but you're letting people take your character and your heart and your joy and your peace. And you're letting them walk out the door with it. I said, fight for that. The laptop will stay. But that sucker can get stolen quick. He goes, okay. All of a sudden, it's changed. Comes back to the day. He said, he, he was talking a little bit trash, but he's kind of chilled out. I said, why? He goes, he's not paying attention to it. I'm making choices. Okay, good, good, good. So we got, we, got, we got sweepers, we got blowers, we got shovelers. This goes one of two ways. Either you're digging a hole or you're trying to dig yourself out of one. <sighs> See, here's the thing. When God says, I've come to save you, he doesn't throw you a shovel. He pulls you out. But the problem is God's put his hand down and we're going, no, I get it myself. I get it myself. Let me do it. Let me do it. I got this. I got this. Are you tired yet? Because the more you dig, the deeper you get. The more you dig, the further down you get. But I'm getting myself out. I'm, I'm going to dig the hole wider. No, it's just going to be a bigger hole for more problems to fill. And you keep going, I, I'm going to dig myself out. I'm going I'm to get out. I got this. I got this. No, God says, I didn't come to give you shovels. I came to give you life. That means your get out. But you're going to have to get out. That means if I pull you out, we're going to fill the hole with the dirt you've been shoveling all these years. 
And when we fill it, you're not going to go redig it again and put yourself back in it. You're going to walk away from it. And you're not going to build an altar at that spot and go back there and go, I remember when it was in the hole. It was just me in the hole. It was just me in the hole. We just had such great times, me in the hole. It was my favorite place. It was my place of isolation. Nobody had to deal with me. It was just me in the hole, me in the hole, me in the hole. You know, people act like that. Just want to go back to the hole. I remember the days of the hole. It was so much easier when we were in the hole. And I had to deal with anybody when I was in the hole. You're right, you didn't. And you cried out and you were like, this sucks, this is horrible, this is so much pain. And God goes, but I pulled you out of the hole so I could give you life and I could bring people around you and I could bring you into your greatest purpose and ah, stop tending to yourself, stop digging out of holes or digging holes. And he says, but he says, those who put their hand on the plow can't look backwards. You ever thought about why he used a plow and not a shovel and not a broom and not a blower? Oh, they didn't have blowers in the Bible day, but you know what I'm talking about. Why did he use the plow? Because the plow tells me where you're going, not where you've been. Ah, because the plow has expectation on it. Hmm, but the plowing is not for you. The plowing is so that the world can reap the benefits. Because as you plow or till the soil, that means you have an expectation that rain is coming. In order for rain to come, storms have... I'm trying to help y'all this morning. In order for rain to come, storms have to come. So the more I'm plowing the soil the more I'm preparing for the harvest. And the harvest isn't just for me. The harvest is for my children. The harvest is for my children's children. The harvest is for my next door neighbor who might not like me because I play my loud Jesus music in my Jeep now. Uh, 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 the, 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 plowing is, the plowing is that when God will bring me into Walmart and have me pray for people, the plowing is so that I might have a greater purpose than just existing on a Sunday morning and standing at a pulpit, that the pulpit is not the fulfillment of my call, but the people that I come in contact with on a daily basis and really get to be a pastor, amen, not, not just a preacher, uh, this, this is what God's called me to. And he says, those who put their hand to the plow cannot afford to look back. They cannot look back. They cannot look back. They cannot look back. Because if you're looking back, you're wondering if the line is straight rather than trusting that what you did was according to his purpose and plan. You're more relying upon your own ability rather than the calling that God's placed on you, the purpose that God's placed on you, and walking forward. He said to them, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Stop plowing the soil, and then when it doesn't happen, when the harvest doesn't come when you want it, you put it down and quit. I'm done. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because, dadgummit, you got to wait on the rain. When a farmer plans out his season... Listen to me. When a farmer plans his season, he plans it with expectation that rain will come. He has no idea if it's coming, but he understands how things move. And he says, listen, if there's sunny days, then there's rainy days. And if I plant my seeds in the tilled soil, then when the rain comes, it waters the seed, causes the seed to germinate, sprouts out roots into the soil, and therefore produces a harvest. This is the problem. Shovelers, sweepers, blowers only tend to what's theirs and wonder why there's no harvest. People who put their hand to the plow are consumed by the harvest. But let me help you with something. They're not consumed by their harvest. They're consumed by his harvest. When people ask me about the pandemic, the political situations, all the things, I tell them I'm excited. And let me tell you why I'm excited. Because I'm finally going to get to see the church get off its lazy butt and do something bigger than just attend church. Because you, I'm telling you, listen to me. Mark this in your Bible right today's date. Pastor Brian said A, B, and C. If, 
what's happening in our country and in our nation and our globe as a whole is really going to take place. The church is about to stand up like it's never stood up before. And we're all going to grab the plow and go, oh, he's coming. He's coming, and I can't wait, and I just don't know when, but I don't care, because we're going to see a harvest, and this is going to be fun, and God's going to get his glory, and we're going to worship in one accord, and we're not going to be worried about what's not going to happen, and we're going to trust him in all things, and we're actually going to be believers of the word, not just talkers about the word. We're actually going to walk in the fullness of it. Oh, my lost ones are coming, but not only my lost ones, but everyone that's attached to them. If they got friends that are lost, they're coming to the kingdom too. Oh, we're plowing the... You notice I didn't say, oh, I'm plowing the soil. Here comes my Bentley. Oh, I'm plowing the soil. Here comes my new house. Oh, I'm plowing the soil. Here comes my new car. Oh, I'm going to get a better job. Nope, I'm plowing the soil. My boss going to get saved. And when my boss gets saved, he's going to see me for who God's made me to be. And then I'm going to walk in that favor that God's been promising me the whole time. But he said, do not grow weary in well-doing. I'm trying. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Some of y'all trying to get tired of breaking the ground. It's hard. It's hard. He said, break up the fallow ground. Break it up. Break it up. Rain's coming. I'm going to tell you this right now. The rain's here. Storms are brewing. I've never been more excited about rains in my life than I am right now. Pastor, you can't say that. How can you say you're excited about the storms? The storms are bad. Mm-mm, not for me and my house. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to be excited about what God's going to do in this hour. And I'm going to rest in that fact, and I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to choose today who I'm going to serve. Because I'm not going to serve fear. I'm not going to serve pain. I'm not going to serve doubt. I'm not going to serve worry. I'm not going to serve concern. I'm going to serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the bright morning star, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the first and the last. That's what I'm going to serve. I'm done sweeping up junk. Look, I got stuff. I got issues, but I'm, I'm putting a broom down. God, you came to deal with this. I don't need to deal with this anymore. Yeah. I'm going to stop keeping everybody away from me. I'm going to stop digging myself out of holes. Yeah. Maybe I stop making stupid decisions, I stop finding myself in holes. Yeah. And I'm going to pick up the plow. I'm going to put my hands to it. Watch. In the message, it says this. This is where I'm closing. Pastor Ben, come on. Jesus said, no Procrastination. Stop. There are those of you sitting in this room right now. God has been talking to you to do something for the kingdom of God, and you keep sitting there telling you it's not the time, it's not the season. Why would God have put it in your spirit if it wasn't? Shh. Stop procrastinating because you're depending on you to do it rather than him to do it. Stop procrastinating. Jesus said no procrastination. Another word in procrastination is excuses. No more excuses for poor behavior. No more excuses for your sinful ways. No more excuses for your pain, your problems of your past, your struggles. No more excuses. It's time for you to present them to the Father and let him deal with them. It's enough of you coming in and hearing messages, singing songs, and then walking out going, nothing changed. The only reason it doesn't change is because you choose not to. Your pain stays because you choose to put it in your pocket and take it home. That's not God's fault. I've been dealing with people right now that, that, that said, I'm, I'm mad at God because he allowed this to happen. I've, I've watched people that have died. Uh, I watched somebody post something on social media today that her sister had passed, and she's like, I'm mad at God. No, you're mad at death, and you want to call death God. <laughs> death has become your God, and you're worshiping death rather than worshiping the one who delivered her and set her free from the cancer that she had in her body. See, the problem is, let me say this to you. We only get mad at death when it's not on our timeline. 
You ever heard that statement? God took them. God doesn't take anything. God receives everything. We've got a season now where people are mad at God because of pandemics. If God loved us so much, why is there a pandemic? Have you read your Bible? There's a lot of pandemic in here. Pandemic, epidemic, plagues. We ain't even said the word plagues yet. Plagues. Some of y'all be more caught up if the locust flew through the earth than you would for the coronavirus. There's no blood in the lake. Is there? Are there frogs running all over the city? Well, in some swamps, yes. Well, we live in Louisiana. That's normal. Look, look back at Moses. We're talking about plagues. Plagues. But why did the plagues come? Jesus, help us. To set his people free. This is what I believe with everything in me. If we will choose God in this hour, everything that is coming in front of us has been sent to free his kids so that we can walk in the fullness and the church can stand up and have a voice again and we can declare the kingdom of God, not political function, not political agenda, but the kingdom of God because this is what I'm believing. We are going to walk in a season, and I don't know when it is yet, and you can say, Pastor, that's just your hopes and prayers, but I'm going to say it out loud. We're about to walk into a season where the kingdom of God is consulted before movement in this, in this nation. So you want to amen me so bad, but some of you are like, mm, I'm not sure about that one, Pastor. It's got to get worse before it gets better. It doesn't say the church has to get worse. It says the world gets worse. But the Bible says we walk in the favor of God. Favor is not material things. Favor is the covering of his promised blessings. I am not weary in this moment. I'm excited. Pastor, you can't be excited. If you're just sitting at home right now, it's time for you to get excited. It's time. Get up, get dressed next Sunday, come home. You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. You want to separate from somebody? We'll give you a piece of paper and tell everybody to stay away from you. But you might as well come home. We love you. We miss you. This church misses you. Are you sitting in this room and you're afraid right now? I need you to set that fear on the altar and let it die. Make a choice. You're afraid for your kids? Cover them in prayer. Pastor, that doesn't always... Oh, be careful what you say. Oh, be careful what comes out your mouth. Because if you can say it doesn't work, then take your Bible. Wad it up in the biggest ball you can. Find the nearest fire and place it right in there and let it die. Because I believe that when I pray over my children and send them on their way, God covers them and protects them and brings them. But, Pastor, my kid caught the coronavirus and they went to school, but did they die? But, Pastor, what about the people that died before? What about the people that died? Was it their time to die? I'm not the author and finisher of their faith. God is. I wasn't the one who called them home. God did. Why do you want to treat this pandemic like it's a God? It's not a God. It's a sickness. Let it be a sickness. Stop breathing life into it. Oh, dear God, that's a good word for you right there. Can we just stop breathing life into it? That sucker's trying to die. And we go, clear. I need it to come back. I need it to be a reason why I'm miserable. Clear. No, you're just choosing misery. Choose life. Everything that he's telling these people to do is to choose. And when he finishes, he says, every your response is life. It's not death. 
Stop moping. God, I wish believers would stop moping. Where's your joy? I don't know what I'm looking for. I hope I get it Sunday. <laughs> hope pastor's in a good mood. Preach something funny. I need to laugh. Take a snapshot of yourself. Go look at it. You'll laugh. Because Jesus help us. At some point, we got to snap out of this thing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and I don't know why this is deep in my spirit, but I just, when you start doing things like this, God just starts talking, and he doesn't leave you alone. Um, Mr. and Ms. Rapson, you're here this week, and I didn't even know you were in town. Well, I did know, because I saw you post a picture of you with a big plate of seafood, and I was a little bit envious. Amen. But you walked in this morning, and as you walked in, the choices that you guys have just made to launch this store, they're big. But as I've been standing here preaching, he has been talking to me the whole time. You're about to walk into one of the greatest seasons of blessings in your life. And it's going to catch you like a wave and overtake both of you. And I'm not saying that because it sounds cute to say it in this moment. Like, I can't shake it. And he's like, oh, you're going to say it now? That's what he just told me when I was finished wrapping up. He's like, you're going to tell him now? We're going to wait till it's quiet and it's no one's in the room and no one's listening. And you're going to be all cute and dainty and go, here, God, I work for you. Get ready. Because it took a lot to make this decision. And, 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 Lindsay, I know that there have been questions about the location. But the location is God-appointed. It's God-appointed. It's not you appointed. It's not mom and dad appointed. And there's been questions and road things tried to block that move, right? Lindsay shared a little bit with me. There's been roadblocks to try to, that one location. They were even concerned about it. But I'm telling you this. I feel this in my chest so deep. God says, I appointed that corner for you. For miles. Okay? Rest in it. No more questions. You made the choice, stick to it. And walk in it. Ooh, I just felt that. I had to get that off my chest. It was like biting at me. Ah. Ah. Come on, everybody stand to your feet. Come on. All right, sound man. Choose today. Before service, my son, my little four-year-old, almost five now, was in the back, and he didn't want to go to church. And he didn't want to go to kids' church. And I said, then what do you want to do? I don't know. <laughs> Boy, you better make a decision because your dad's got to go in there and preach. And your mom's got to go into church. I don't know. So I politely looked at him and said, you got five seconds to choose. Or I'm taking you to one room or the other. No. So what did I do? You're going to probably get mad at my parenting skills right here. I said, fine, you can stay in here by yourself. And I left him in the back room. I shut the door. Of course, complete emotional meltdown. That's how church folks sound sometimes. You wonder why you're alone. God's going, go ahead, make your choice. Go ahead. I'm just going to leave you in the room while you freak out. Go ahead. Tiff standing in the hallway, and the one thing Tiff has always hated is our kids screaming like that. Drives her nuts. I'm a dad. I'm like, they'll get over it. I remember when Love was a baby, and we put her trying to teach her how to sleep in her bed, and she's like, Tiff's like, go get her. I'm like, no, she'll be fine. She'll cry it off. So I told Tiff, I said, that's a baby. He's just making noise. That's all he's doing. Open up the door, dry face. Ah! Ah! 
I'm like, boy, you got to choose. I said, all right, you make a choice? No. Okay, well, I'll walk back out again. He starts laughing. Ah! Walk back in. You done yet? Nope. Okay, click back, click it again. <laughs> and I'm doing that this morning. I'm realizing that's the same thing God does to us. You done yet? Nope. Oh, okay. You done yet? Are we done? Are we done whining? Are we done complaining? Are you done? You, what do you want? You want me in the room? If I come in the room, you're going to have to choose. Nah! Okay, I'll give you a little more time. He says he stands at the door of your heart knocking. He doesn't kick your door in. So finally, I walk back in. I say, you know what? I'm not dealing with you today. I'm not dealing with this. You're going to choose. So I was going and putting my hair up and doing all the great stuff I get to do. Because if my hair is down, y'all all think I'm sick. Pastor, <laughs> are you okay today? I'm fine. And uh, so I, I come back out. And I said, son, you, you got to pick one. Which one are you going to do? I guess I'll go to my class. Now, guaranteed, we're going to get him out of church in a minute. The boy's going to be running around here like the world is perfect. Right? But he had to go through the process of making a choice to find out that there was a great blessing for him in that room. Everything is about a choice. Choose. Stop putting it off. Well, I'll choose next week. You don't have next week. Next week's not promised to you. Today is because you're breathing in this moment right now. Choose. Who are you going to serve? And if you choose to serve him, serve him fully with the whole word, not part of the word, not what fits your sin. Choose what changes your sin, causes you to walk in freedom, liberty, joy, and peace, and embrace it.